Uh, we are doing a little series called Tough Conversations. And uh, thanks to Ian, if you're here, I can't see you, but oh, yes, you are, Ian, thank you. That was wonderful last week. Ian shared some really good little um, practical tips. We like to do some couple of practical weeks of some tools that you can work with. And Ian shared really well. We have a podcast system on our website. You can listen to that message and you can uh, grab hold of those um, uh, thoughts and ideas of Ian's and take hold of them that way. So if you can't ever attend church, feel free to drop into the website and listen to the message. And so today, it's Tough Conversations number two. And uh, I'm going to put that first photo up. There's a photo that's been going around, and uh, I don't know how well it is. Can you see who's up there? So it's uh, George W. Bush. I should have put the names around the other way, shouldn't I? And Alan DeGeneres. Now, has anyone seen this in the media recently? Yeah, a few, few hands that have done. And basically, um, those of you that, that know Alan DeGeneres is a very much a leftist, progressive, you know, that sort of side of politics, very outspoken on issues like that. George W. Bush would be the complete opposite. Would we agree? He would probably sit over on the other side of the spectrum. And she got criticised. She got a lot of flack because she dared sit at the football with George W. Bush. And this is a quote that she said. Here's the thing, I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different and I think that we've forgotten that's okay, that we're all different. But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I wonder where she got that from. I don't mean only the people that think the same way you do. I mean, be kind to one another. Be kind to everyone. I think that uh, this is a really good illustration of, of life. That in life, that we will do life with people that are different to us. And how do we do that? How do we do life with difference, but we do it well? Uh, when Steve and I led the church in Fitzroy North, it was uh, the first time we led a church of Christ. Um, in a north, um, it is the one Greens seat in federal parliament. Um, that there were, we, we arrived just at the time of an election and there were Greens posters in nearly every window as you walked around the streets. And that community, you know, we, when we took it on was small but it grew and what it grew with were people who were reflective of the community of where the church was based. They were green voters, they were leftists, they were progressive. They uh, were strong on social justice, on asylum seekers' rights, same-sex marriage. And they read the Bible primarily as a metaphorical text. It was actually quite a homogenous community. There wasn't that much difference within our group. Would you agree, Nate? I think that was pretty right. In Bayview, I think we're probably a little different to that. I think in Bayview, we're a little more spread. That sitting in this room, we will have people from the Ellen DeGeneres side to the George W. Bush side and everything in between. Now, I want to ask you, I'm an introvert. I don't know if you realise that, but I'm actually a very introverted person. And I know that it's really painful being an introvert at church and asked to get up and do something. Trust me, I know. Um, and particularly the role that I do, I know. 
But I want to ask you to participate in something with me. Will you go with me in this? It means you have to stand up and you have to move. Now, for those of you that maybe have some mobility issues, I totally understand if you want to stay in your seat and, and that is fine. But if everyone else would participate and just go with me on it, do you reckon you could do that, humour me? Now, it's, it's really hard, okay? You're going to have to really think hard on this. Right, so what I want us to do is I want us to say, Nathaniel, if you could stand up over there. So, Nathaniel is, what's your favourite form of music, mate? Hip-hop. We call it doof-doof. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you got the general idea. Now, who here, Barbara, where are you? Are you able to walk? Classical music? Can you go and stand over that side? Now, I'm, I'm appointing you. So I'm going to put Barb over there. Now, you like classical music, Barbara? Can you sing it? Oh, I don't know if we want either of that. Does anyone? Yeah, no. <laughs> so this is where these guys stand in their appreciation and their love of music. I had a cousin who just had a brain tumour removed, and one of the things they thought he might lose was his appreciation of music. But geez, isn't that funny, the things that you don't realise you have? Now, what I want you all to do is I want you to stand up. Now, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to stand in the middle because that's not where I stand. But you know what my favourite music is? I love swing and jazz. So I'm going to stand around here. Now, someone might like country music. Now, you might like to stand around here. Now, some of you might like pop or rock, and you might like to stand here. Maybe you like heavy rock. And you might like to stand over here. So can you all jump up and move and up the front and stand in a position where you think suits your type of music? Now, I must say that uh, Nathaniel's end of the room is slightly heavier. If you're in a boat, I think it might lean over that direction. But, you know, this side's not doing too bad either. So look. Is everyone standing in the same place? Are we all different? Yes. Yet are we one. Now, I don't know about you, but what was interesting in that moment was when you found people around about you that had a similar taste in music that I did not know. I did not know that Richard enjoyed jazz like and swing like I did. That's exciting. Uh, I, I run my own business and um, I have um, swing on my computer and I play it and uh, Paul Lorna used to work for me and I'm sure she used to roll her eyes at my swing music so she didn't get an option. Thank you so much for participating. I know it's a bit awkward but do you see the picture that I was painting? Now, we could do that with politics and Brian's dying to find out <laughs> how many would be at this end <laughs> and how many at that end. We could do it. No. no. <laughs> we, you know, we could do that over so many issues. And let me tell you, the human, it's called a human scattergram, will always come up like that. You'll find the middle tends to be where majority, but there's always a variance all the way along. Can I have the next uh, picture up? This is our clan. So uh, the, the handsome bunch. Now, Nathaniel, um, who most of you know, who led worship today, likes his jeans, likes his doof-doof, likes his T-shirts, hats. Alex, our middle child, um, apparently he's nicknamed at work Gandhi um, because he's just so calm. Nothing phases him. He's very 
you know, that sort of very organised. There were many arguments in our household over the fact that children saved things on computers in the wrong folders. He's that kind of organised, you know, kind of person. And then there's Chloe, our daughter, who um, perhaps not quite so organised but loves to argue and debate and is very much passionate about justice and women's rights and she will really go to town on you, complete opposite to Alex. That's just one family. They're all from the same gene pool. They are very, very different. And yet we have to learn how to hold those differences, don't we? We all know that in family. But what happens is in families with differences, sometimes what we do is go, this is too hard, and we cut one another out. I know there are people in this room who have come from a religion that if you chose not to be part of that religion, you were cut out from your family because you chose to hold a different belief. I don't know about you, but to me that is so far from the ethic of Jesus, so far from the ethic of love for all that you can find. We have to learn to hold these things in tension. So how do we do that? How do we do that? In the Bible, there's a church called the Church of Antioch. Um, if you're you know, someone who goes to church regularly, you might have heard of that. And in Acts chapter 3, 13, verse 1, we have this scripture. Now, there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was also called hmm, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, a lifetime friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. In this one team, in this one church, this is the diversity of leadership that you find. Barnabas, who's a wealthy Jew, and he probably came from Cyprus. Simeon was a black man from sub-Saharan West Africa. Lucius was from Cyrene, which is modern-day Libya. Um, we're not sure whether Simeon or Lucius were slaves or not, but they could very well have been. Manon was a Greek, possibly a Syrian. And then you've got Paul, who's a Jew and a Roman citizen. What a diversity. Yet they are the most dynamic leadership team that you will find in Scripture. They're, they really work well together. They're healthy, and you recognise that it's possible to be diverse and hold different opinions and yet be able to get along well and do things. So how do we negotiate differences? This is uh, point number one. The other person may not be wrong, but seeing things from another perspective. Isn't that great? Isn't that... I Just to me, I saw that. And I went, that is spot on. How true is that? Just because you're right does not mean I am wrong. You just haven't seen life from my side. You know, we've all heard the stories of, of um, you know, car accidents or whatever. And the police interview all the witnesses. And what have you got? How many different stories? Well, because, you know, Alf seeing it from this direction you know, and, and Clint seeing it from this direction and, and Barb seeing it from this direction. So we're all going to see something different. Your life experiences, your history, your family upbringing, your cultural influences, all of those things, your education, what you read, what you listen to, are all going to affect how you look at a situation. So just remember that when you're in the midst of something, the other person may not be wrong. There may not be a right or a wrong in this situation. Do you realise that? That there may not be a right or a wrong. There might just be 
another. So we have to learn. It's okay for you to believe what you believe, but it's not okay for you to insist that everyone else believes the same as you. It's okay for you to believe what you believe. That is actually fine. But it's not okay for you to try and force everybody else to believe the same thing as you. That is called bullying. It is. That is what it is, you know. Consider how hard it is for you to change. Change what you think, change what you feel, change what you believe, change your theology. Think about how hard that is for you. And you'll understand what little chance you have of changing anybody else by an argument. Doesn't, doesn't, generally doesn't work. Thankfully, our daughter Chloe, I believe, is learning that art because originally there's a lot of arguing. And it's like, oh, it's not helping. Because, you know, what do you do when someone argues with you? I don't know about, like me, but it's like, I, I, I get that, the hackles back. So we're not having a good discourse. Okay. A guy called Canon Andrew White said... My enemy is the person whose story I haven't heard. My enemy is the person whose story I haven't heard. Actually, a very powerful quote. Okay, the second point. Engage with those who disagree with you with the intention of learning from them. Engage with those who disagree with you with the intention of learning from them from them. You know, for me, my reaction to people who um, are different to me was one of fear. My immediate reaction internally was a fear response. Anybody else want to be honest? It's actually, if you're honest, that's what we all do. We all actually react with fear. And as soon as I get that fear response, as soon as I go, oh, I'm really not comfortable with this, and I'm, you know, what I do is I close up shop. Yeah, the shutters come down and I withdraw and I, that's self-protect. I want to protect what I think and what I believe and what I, what I feel. And the problem with that is that as soon as you respond to that fear, the fear's not a problem, it's what I do with that. And if I respond with that closing off is that I'm actually no longer in a listening position. I'm in a defending position. We have to learn to be in an open position. We have to be learning to sit in this place where we have a difference of opinion or belief or political you know, thoughts and ideas, whatever it is, but that we actually listen with an open posture, not with a closed posture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Brian McLaren said, We must never underestimate our power to be wrong when talking about God, when thinking about God, and when imagining God. Um, I love reading uh, historical novels, um, particularly middle age, you know, around the Middle Ages, and the theology of God in those novels uh, is pretty accurate to what was around at the times. I'd be hard-pressed, I think, to find too many people in this room that would still hold that same theology today. Why? Because we've actually recognised that hey, we need to change and adjust. And we don't, all sit, we don't sit in that same place today. 
And if we don't hold an open posture, we're never going to learn and understand. I don't know everything about God. I don't have a full understanding. I've got lots of areas wrong. There's areas in my thinking and my theology, my politics have all got it. They've got to change. I'm not there yet. Is anybody else there yet? Because, oh, you're there. Oh, you've already got it all organized. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm going, to, I'm going to be honest and say I'm not there. There's lots of things in my thinking I know that... that that will need adjusting over time. I'm not where I was 10 years ago. I'm not where I was five years ago. And hopefully in five years' time, I'm not going to be where I am today, that God's going to... It's a work in progress. So when I was listening to um, Brian McLaren, he was, he was sharing some stuff on this very topic about tough conversations. And he said something really interesting. He said, what I do, because people come up... Brian McLaren is a progressive, or he calls himself a creative... Uh, Christian, so he, he, he leans more to that side of Christianity. And so people come up and, you know, you know because he doesn't believe in X, Y, or Z, then you're, you're the devil and you're this and you're that. So people say some really horrible things to him. And he said, I've learned to answer in, in an interesting way. He says, that's really interesting. I don't see it from that perspective, but can you help me understand where you're coming from? Now, isn't that beautiful? How humble is that? I don't, I don't see things from that perspective, but help me learn. Help me understand. Help me hear your heart on this issue because I know where I stand, but I obviously don't know where you stand. And that's the attitude we've got to have. We've got to have this open-handed attitude. We've got to be open-hearted in the midst of it. If only it were all so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. In other words, we are as able to be evil as the next person. We are able to be nasty and cruel and say horrible things as anybody else. And if you don't know that, come see me and I'll give you an illustration of what you've done. <laughs> or perhaps talk to your partner or your parents or your children. They're good at it. They're good at it. Steve and I were having a, a, a slightly heated moment. Uh, Chloe was about six at the time. We were renovating a house. Yeah, that's, that, that leads to those kind of moments. And this six-year-old walks in and said, Mum, just admit you're wrong and Dad, just forgive her. What do you say to a six-year-old who just nailed it? <laughs> so if you don't realise that you have... I remember one of the first things that Steve said to me, um, we, we, you know, we were, no, not the first things, but we are talking theologically, you know, we were debating about some stuff, and he said this whole issue that in the heart of every human is a murderer. And I was like, oh, don't be ridiculous. You know, I, I and then he just he kept at me. And he goes, no, no, just think about it that we can get so angry, that we can get so loose perspective on what is going on, that our heart intent is to want to damage someone. And as he went, I just went, wow, that is so true. And I think this quote, it's challenging. I'll let you think on it. It's challenging. But let's be honest about what's really inside each and every one of us. We had a, a, a gentleman in our church in Fitzroy North, Bill. He was a um, liberal voter. Um, 
And his view on asylum seekers was probably what majority of, you know, this sort of like really, you know, he really probably was against asylum seekers, that thing of them coming in and taking over and getting things for nothing and that kind of perspective on asylum seekers. And then in our church, we invited a group in who were in detention um, and, uh, you know, organised this group of uh, asylum seekers who are in detention to come in. They cooked food for us. I can't remember what uh, country they were from. There was probably a group of about 15 of them that had their guards with them and all that kind of thing, and they came, and they cooked a meal, and we shared a meal together. And Bill ended up chatting to one of the guys who, who was in detention. And Bill was an engineer, and so was this guy. That was his background, was engineering. So they started to chat. And we were in the midst of uh, building renovations, and so Bill was proudly showing this man through the building and all the renovations they were doing, and they are talking about because there were some structural things, and so the engineers were, they were having a field day, they were excited and talking about foundations, and Steve's eyes glazed over. Um, and, you know, all that kind of thing was taking place. And we caught up with Bill about a week later, and he came in and, and he said, you know, I, I, I really have to thank you that until I heard his story, until I sat and I had a meal with him, and I understood what he had been through and what he was going through. I did not understand what it was like for asylum seekers. And that moment of hearing someone else's story changed him. It radically changed him. That we have to learn how to hear the other person's story. How to listen to what's going on in their world and the perspective that they see things from. Okay, sorry, moving along. Okay, uh, number three, the right to have an opinion doesn't make it a good opinion. <laughs> We've all got a right to an opinion. Like, yeah, that's true. It uh, doesn't mean that our, our opinions are equally truthful. It doesn't mean that. But we should still treat people with respect. But ideas and arguments should always be open to critique, to evidence and to debate. One of our groomsmen in our, our bridal party um, Whenever someone would spout, you know, but the Bible says, and you go, yeah, chapter and verse, thanks. <laughs> and you kind of go, actually, you know what? He was right. How often do I hear people sprouting about the Bible says, but in actual fact, uh, there's been some really good ones going around in the media uh, where even Christians are getting up and the Bible says and going, yeah, well, no, actually it doesn't. Um, so, you know, I think there is something there. Be open to critique and evidence. And we should not be afraid of saying that some arguments are a little weak. Aristotle said this great thing, the more I know, the more I know I don't know. And I will stand to attest that that is true. The height of arrogance is, is thinking that my tiny understandings, my learnings and experiences in life are all good, right and true. And they're not, are they? Last one, we need respect but robust debate. We actually, we have lost the art of debate. Anyone do debating at school? Yeah, I did debating. I love debating. I absolutely love debating. But, you know, I think it's that thing that we've swallowed an untruth that says, oh, if I'm a Christian, I can't fight or argue. Do you know what I mean? Or that we've just got to all agree? No, no, no. Jews, we've, we've, we've come from a faith that's got a Jewish heritage and Jews love to argue. They love to fight. You know, the Jew says if there's one Jew in the room, they're having a fight. Do you know what I mean? They can, it's true. And it's, you know, one of the greatest things 
that for my faith journey was when we became friends with a guy called Rabbi Fred. And, and Rabbi Fred was just fantastic. It helped open up my understanding to this whole area of debate and that it's actually okay to sit and discuss and dialogue and debate with people, but do it with respect and honour, with a listening heart. We do not draw people to Christ by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are or how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want all their hearts to know the source of it. Mm. You know, you will get offended when you have a debate, but you're not going to win a friend and an argument in the same time. You know, you can't do both. So when you debate, make sure that you are respectful in that. A couple of points. Find areas where you agree. You may disagree with someone, but instead of strongly reacting, actively listen to the other person about what is important. Be open and kind. When having conversation, avoid polarising language and personal attacks. Remember who you're having a conversation with. They're a person. They're a human being that was created in the image and likeness of God. They're loved by God and treat them as such. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Accept that it's highly unlikely that you will change one another's mind. You know, go in, that's, that's okay. But you know what? If you can't sit in a discussion and learn something, then I think maybe we're not listening because there's always something we can learn from one another. We've always got things that we can learn. Use that conversation as a place to learn a little more. It's okay to disagree, but do it with care. Jonathan Sachs has this quote. I write as one who believes in the dignity of difference. If we were all the same, we would have nothing unique to contribute, nor anything to learn from others. The more diverse we are, the richer our cultures become and the more expansive our horizons of possibility. But that depends on our willingness to bring our differences as gifts to the common good. It requires integration rather than segregation, and that in turn means that we must have a rich and compelling sense of the common good. Without it, we will find that difference spells discord and creates not music, but noise. Another quote from Jonathan Sachs, "'The test of faith is whether I can make space for difference.'" Can I recognise God's image in someone who is not in my image, whose language, faith, ideals are different to mine? If I cannot, then I have made God in my image instead of allowing him to remake me in his.